Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. Andrea Earhart here, muralist, adventurer, and your host as I interview inspiring artists who are killing it in the art game to show you that it's completely possible to make a great living doing the thing you love to do. We highlight the business side of art to help you reach more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creative freedom. (laughs) Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. And that's it, so let's get on with the show. This week's episode features LA-based contemporary landscape artist, Elise Dodge. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to meet Elise, and this was yet another reminder as to why I started this podcast. (laughs) Elise was a joy to talk to, and also a great insight into the branding aspect of art business. I think that we, myself included, get caught up in trying to make our art the most affordable option for our customer. It's all about the deals and the discounts, but what about the quality? And I'm not just talking about the quality of our ability to paint. What about the quality of the products we make available that ultimately are a direct representation of ourselves? We are what we put out. If we're using the most affordable paper option or selling our art on cheap China-made items because that's the easiest thing to do, what does that say about our brand? As someone who did not grow up with anything luxury, I tend to price my art at what I deemed affordable as a kid which makes absolutely no sense, but it's hard to, you know, get out of that penny-pinching mindset. Although there's nothing particularly wrong with that, but I just wanted to shed a little light on the other side of branding. Elise does an amazing job at describing why her brand is set up the way it is, and I am completely for it. (laughs) You go, girl. Let me know what you think about this week's episode with Elise Dodge. Could you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit to anybody who maybe hasn't heard of you yet and that way yeah. we can get to know you and maybe talk a little bit about how you got into the art space. So yeah, my name is Elise Dodge and I'm a Canadian um, artist who does contemporary landscapes and I moved to Los Angeles about a year ago. So I'm now learning how to navigate the art world in um, the United States. So that's 
yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a new challenge. Um, but yeah, so I moved here about a year ago and my artwork is all kind of geometric uh, mountainscapes. Um, so I come from a background in graphic design, so I've kind of mashed up my graphic design aesthetic and more kind of contemporary clean lines with my um, passion for painting. So <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually, yeah. that you came from graphic design. <laughs> I was like, man, her, her, and you know, actually, I went to your website uh, yesterday, actually, and I was like, I was looking at your stuff for, re- for a reference for um, this proposal that I was working on, and I was like, how does she get her lines so straight? And <laughs> I, I think we might talk about this a little bit later, too, but I watched a, t- a time lapse that you did, and yeah. I was like, because I was like, if I'm going to do something like this, I'm taping it off, and it made me feel so so good to see that you were taping it off to get those oh, lines super straight. A hundred percent. To be honest, I, I mean, we can get into it later, but I love the um, texture that it creates when you tape something off because you get that little ridge. Um, so when the light hits it the right way, it kind of like gives an extra layer of dimensionality to it because I've tried doing it freehand and like it, you can definitely do it. It just takes a lot longer, but you don't get that same texture that you get with um, paint. Okay, that's a really good tip, and I have never noticed that before, but I've never done as many triangles together as you have, so I'm going to definitely pay attention to it um, if I do something like this. That's awesome. Okay, so if you could just talk a little bit about, um, basically, what made you want to become an artist? What was the tipping point that took you from hobby to professional? Okay, so yeah, um, I grew up in uh, Kelowna, BC, which is in Canada, um, in a little town that's just beautiful. It's like rolling hills and lakes and really, really pretty area. Um, and I grew up with a mom who is an artist and my dad is a builder. So, um, we were homeschooled for the majority of my upbringing. And because of that, um, we were, you know, kind of immersed in the arts and being really creative from a very young age, just because that's the world that my mom raised us in. (laughs) So drawing and painting, um, just was kind of like second nature from a pretty young age. And um, then over the years, I'll try and do the kind of quicker version, but um, I got into rhythmic gymnastics, <laughs> which um, is like the, you know, the version of gymnastics with the ribbons and the hoops and stuff like that. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So I did that for 12 years really competitively. So um, I was pretty independent from a fairly young age and like traveling quite a bit for gymnastics. Um, and that led me to exposure to kind of like Cirque du Soleil-like productions. We do these like year-end shows that were all very creative and artistic. My mom would build all the props for them. Um, so, you know, we'd literally have these crazy stage sets downstairs on our um, ping pong table. It would be like turned into a massive workstation and there'd be glitter everywhere. And um, so I'd be helping her build like, you know, 20-foot icicle sculptures hanging from the ceiling for the shows and like these crazy things. So um, maybe not your typical, <laughs> typical household. I but, love it though. That's yeah. So fun. I, I credit that for um, giving me the ability to think about uh, design and creativity in more of like a three-dimensional way as well. Um, so that kind of led me down a direction uh, where I wanted to pursue event design. Um, so I went, I moved to Vancouver, BC and went to Langara college. Um, and they have a program there called design formations. And it's basically a hybrid of graphic design, 
um, interior design and exhibition design. So it was perfect. It was like all of the things I was interested in kind of meshed together. Um, and then two years of that led me to um, an internship with some event companies um, working on like, you know, florals and centerpieces and theming. And then uh, my career path kind of led down art direction for big music festivals and uh, conferences and events, which was like a lot of um, branding and design work. And on the side, I was always doing painting. And I was doing a lot of commissions, just um, more for friends and that kind of thing. But there were always landscapes and, you know, quite painterly versions of landscapes. And then on my design side, I was doing these very geometric, contemporary, you know, kind of bold colors. And I was like, hey, I wonder if I kind of blended these two aesthetics together and then started doing more like geometric mountainscapes. And then I did a few paintings and I just like took off. And more than that, I just started really loving it. So that's kind of where it started. (laughs) That's amazing. You know, and I'm still kind of waiting on that moment where I'm like, okay, this is my thing, you know, like it's like that hit for you. Yeah. Well, and maybe your thing is doing a lot of things too. I think for me, this was just like, I felt like there was an endless array of landscapes to do. And the ideas just kept flooding in. And so it's just, I've never gotten bored by it yet. You know? <laughs> so I'm just running with it. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I love it. Awesome. So what makes yeah. up your typical work day nowadays? Um, yes. So now I have a two-year-old. Oh, <laughs> fast <fine>. forward. <laughs> so um, that's been, it was actually a really good way to kind of leap into doing full-time artwork was going on maternity leave. Um, it just gave okay. me the freedom of basically not having to work full time, you know, for like during a day job um, and then paint in the evenings. At that point I was going on maternity leave. So I thought, okay, well, um, originally I thought I'd have a lot more free time than I did. (laughs) I said yes to doing my first, um, it wasn't a solo art show, but it was like uh, two people doing an art show together. So I was um, asked to do that three months after I gave birth and had no paintings basically like you know two months before the show and a newborn baby so um but it was such a great opportunity and it was like an artist that I've always really loved his name's David Peary and he does also like really beautiful contemporary landscapes um so that was for the Ian Tan Gallery in Vancouver um and I created some pieces for that and I just realized how badly I needed art in my life even as a new mom I was like I'd rather not sleep and I'd rather be painting and doing something that um is for me because you know the majority of my life at that point was just giving to this beautiful newborn baby but I was like where does he end and I begin and then I realized that it was art 100% so um that was really good point for me to just basically realize like hey I'm going to hustle super hard for the next year during maternity leave because I'm in Canada where maternity leave is a year. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Wow. You can actually do 18 months, but you get paid the same amount as a 12 month period if like from the government, which isn't very much, but it does help. Um, And you're not really supposed to be working during that time. So, (laughs) but, but it gave me the freedom to basically have enough time to think about, all the different pieces I wanted to do and just ran with it. And then basically the momentum hasn't really slowed down. I've just had 
a lot of commission work over the last two years. And so now it's just a full-time thing. And I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon. Oh, that's amazing. I'm still stuck, stuck on that whole one year maternity leave thing. That sounds amazing. I, it's pretty, I mean, it sounds pretty glamorous, but in reality, you're like barely sleeping at night and nursing all day. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that real quick, just because mm-hmm. like I, you know, just got married thinking about having kids and so what's on my mind all the time right now is just you know how I'm gonna gonna do this with a baby and and I'm so naive and I know it I'm I'm like it's not gonna be that hard like I'm just (laughs) let's just talk about it yeah okay well first of all congratulations on just being married congrats on your baby yeah oh thank you I hope it happened like pre COVID yeah it did like right before everything happened well done so you were able to actually have people get together yeah we got really lucky oh that's amazing um yeah so I kind of went in pretty um blind to it all as well I was thinking you know I'll be on maternity leave I'll plan all these big trips which we still actually went on quite a few trips but I was thinking it would be a lot more like glamorous and a lot more free time um I think it can be if you have a kid that sleeps really well, but it's just a lottery deal. You never know if you will. And I didn't. <laughs> so, um, I think when you love doing something so much, you're willing to sacrifice like, you know, things like having more rest, like napping when they nap and, um, you just find a way to make it work. Um, I would definitely recommend like having a, family member or someone nearby to like give you support or bring you coffee or like, you know, having some kind of system in place before the baby's born (laughs) or nanny, if you can afford to do that too. Um, cause that does definitely help, especially if you've got like a business you're running on the side too. Um, but now it's getting a lot easier. Like, um, I literally put him down for a nap right before we did this (laughs) in the other room because I have a home studio. Um, And you just figure out how to do it. Like he goes to bed at seven. I paint all evening. I have help two days a week. So I, you know, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm painting on those days. Um, You just make it work. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Okay. So just less time, really. Yeah. And I think you like, you need sleep a little less because you just, you become like, I don't know if, I don't think thicker skin is the better word, but like you can handle a little bit more discomfort <laughs> being a mom. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I don't, I don't need eight hours of sleep a night. I, I can run off a little less, and that way I can work a little bit later into the evening and, you know, you just make it happen. <laughs> Uh, but you're making it happen and you're doing really well at it. I was actually very surprised to hear that you're only two years in. That's yeah. Crazy. Well, wow. I, mean, I did my first show, um, 2013. Um, oh. but I was still working, you know, a full-time job from that point up until two years ago. Um, so I didn't make the full leap into yeah painting full-time until then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I would not never have guessed. I was like, I see your, your website and your everything. And I'm like, she's got to be like, it's like years ten, 10 years in at least. Yeah. Cause it looks really good. You, the way you present it is very, very good. So oh, thank you. Well, I think that. it helps having a job that complements what you do. So like mm-hmm. working as an art director and I was working on like, you know, signage and branding and like graphic design and all this stuff that was so applicable to what I was doing in my art practice that I'd be getting a lot of ideas even from work that I'd be bringing home and then turning into a painting. 
So there was like, it was complimentary. It wasn't like I was working, you know, a, a nine to five job that I really hated that didn't have any creativity to it. So I think they complimented each other, which is one of the tips I'd probably give to people who are looking for like starting out as a full-time artist, but kind of a little bit too nervous to make that leap, like find a job that's complimentary to what you want to ultimately do. Even if it's job shadowing for someone who's already a professional artist or something like that. Oh yeah. That's good too. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. Just some, some kind of creative outlet. Cause just so your creativity isn't just like just spent on the weekends, you know? Oh, totally. Exactly. And even if it's like, you know, um, job shadowing with someone who's just running a successful business and you learn about how to market like yourself, how to do business operations, like business 101, like stuff that's still super applicable. If you want to run your own business one day as an artist, um, you can learn from all that stuff so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To just take somebody that's been there, done that and just learn from them because yeah. we will, we will show you, <laughs> like I'll show you my ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did you learn the business side of it? Did it help since you already said you were working kind of in an artistic area? Is that how you picked up the business stuff? Yeah, I think so. I think it was again, like, because I was in um, branding and kind of like graphic design and signage and stuff like that. I learned a lot about um, working at large scale. So not just even like, you know, having multiple clients at the same time, but even thinking about um, designing on a large scale and on three dimensional environments. So it's not just on a canvas, but like thinking about large scale murals or like vinyl installations, like I was doing that for my job. And so then I had all these great connections to printers and, um, you know, uh, suppliers and that kind of thing. And then I started thinking, Oh, like I could do this stuff actually with my art as well. <laughs> so it was really, um, yeah, again, kind of like complimentary. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So how do you market yourself though? So, since we're on the art business topic and um, where are you getting most of your jobs? Instagram, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I also, I just want to point out too, for anybody who's listening, who hasn't checked you out on Instagram yet. I was so shocked to see you almost have 4,000 followers on Instagram, which is a lot, but it's not like a hundred thousand, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's so many artists that I coach and just that I talk to. They're just like, I need to make, I need to have 10 K before I'm successful or whatnot. And I yeah. think you are a perfect example. I love that you said Instagram. Cause I was like, I wonder <laughs> where yeah. Yeah. getting her jobs. Well, I think it's like quality, not quantity sometimes. Yeah. And I was actually listening to a really good podcast the other day that was talking about, um, you know, like we have this natural um, thing in us. If you're like on social media that you just really want to like boost your followers, become an influencer, be like Instagram famous, like all of these things. Um, but the problem is as you build that machine up, then you've got like a wider audience to appeal to. Um, and there was, it was saying something about like, um, market yourself to the people who are already your fans, like, you know, your core center of people who have been supporting you for a long time, like make sure you're taking care of them. And if you're taking care of them, the audience will like organically grow, but don't just shoot for like the numbers, make sure that it's like the quality of the people and making sure that you're like, you know, making who you've already got happy. <laughs> yeah. That's solid advice. Yeah. Right. Well, cause I think there's that, like, I, I mean, I definitely have it where, um, you just have this like craving to grow and like an impatience kind of like, I want to get there right away. I want like instant gratification. I want, 
you know, to have a store that's already super successful. And like, I want to be, you know, having all these followers on every platform and you can start giving like way more of your time just to building that than you are to actually like doing your practice, um, like painting or whatever it may be. Um, so I liked that cause it kind of helped reframe my thinking around, um, not just trying to get big numbers, but to think about like how I'm taking care of the people who are already following. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. I love, I love this subject. So how, so if somebody is like, okay, yeah, I need to get back to my roots and, you know, paint more instead of worrying about that number and really take care of people who are following me already. How, what's one way that you do that? Like, what's mm. like a, an action that you take or a, a mindset that you have? Yeah. Um, well, that's a good question. I think, um, asking them questions. So like I'll okay. do often like polls before, like on Instagram before I um, decide to go down a certain direction for like doing product collaborations and that kind of thing. Um, so I was thinking about doing like, you know, um, clothing and different kinds of products and just basically asking my audience, like, do you think something like this would be something you'd like, like, you know, or is it not something that you think would be beneficial to like my brand? Um, and it was actually really interesting and very insightful to kind of get people's feedback. And I found that people were a lot more engaged um, in those kinds of topics and they felt like heard and like their opinion mattered, um, which I think it does um, because ultimately they're the people I'm selling to. So it, it was helpful because I was looking at it through the lens of like my audience who's going to buy my work one day um, rather than just thinking like, what do I want to do for my brand? So I think, I think that's helpful. Like it's, we've never been able to, access our buyers as much as we can now with social media and I think it's useful to have that direct connection yeah just talk to them I guess that's just the simplest one <laughs> yeah totally yeah so I mean that's yeah that's part of it and then now I'm trying to build in a wider array of like products so some are priced a little bit more like accessibly because right now I would say I probably have like a bit of a more premium price point but that's because most of my work is like commissions and, you know, one-offs. Um, but I'm trying to add in prints and I've just added in um, some journals and like, I'm trying to bring the price point down for people who might just be, you know, really love my work, but can't afford, you know, a $4,000 commission or something like that. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your, your yoga mat, I was like, I am getting that. <laughs> is, is, it, is it available? It is. Yeah. Okay. It just came available uh, this week. And I just added a link to my website, which I'm going to play around with, but it, you can still buy it. It just takes you to the yoga mat company instead of going to through my shop. So I'm going to play around with that. So if people want to buy like a yoga mat and a journal or something like that, they can buy group products on my site. So I'm learning all of that as I go. <laughs> A journal. Wait, you have a journal too? Yeah, actually, it's helping balance some of the stuff behind this. Okay. So I just started some little journals that oh, are like wow. really, yeah, they're just like blank kind of sketchbooks. I can do lines too, but um, they're super soft. They're like that kind of like satin finish. Yes. Because okay. um, I love writing. So I was like, you know what? That would be, it. and especially I was thinking like, you know, if you're doing like meditations or yoga, it's kind of a nice thing to like package together too. And the mats are so soft. Like I just did a yoga practice this morning and I was like almost falling asleep on it. It's like velvet. It's microfiber. So it's like so, 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 so soft. It's 
amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I love, yeah. I love that you're putting a lot of thought into everything. And that's really what I'm getting from talking to you. It's like nothing is just like, you know, doing it on a whim or, I mean, you might try things on a whim, but it's all very thought out. Considered. Yes, <laughs> you're considerate of your followers and your people and just like, and all the products go together because I feel like a lot of artists, they see like, you know, your art made on t-shirts and your art made on mugs and the standard things. And I love how you don't have the standard things. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what else? It's like, let's think outside the box. Well, I think for me, like I've, because I started basically becoming an artist through commission work, that's always been like, you know, one-off custom paintings has always been the thing that's like my bread and butter. Um, but because, you know, you know, doing a one-off, um, custom painting, usually the price point's a little bit higher. So now I have to start thinking about like, if that's where I've positioned myself, it, and if I think about myself as a brand, as an artist, I'm like, it doesn't really feel fair to have that going on and then have like a $10 mug. Like it just doesn't feel like as a brand it's in alignment. <laughs> so I've started thinking about like, even with yoga mats, I was like, you know, I could go really cheap and buy something like, you know, get products delivered in from Amazon and just print my stuff on there. And I'd probably make a way bigger, um, you know, amount of money back, but the product wouldn't be very luxe. And like, if I don't love the product, I'm definitely not going to sell it to people who are following me. Cause I want to make sure that, you know, if it's something that I love, then they'll probably love it too. And that's why I was like, this yoga mat is like top of the line, <laughs> but it you can feel the difference. So I was like, you know what? I love it. Everybody else will love it. I don't care if I even make much money off of it. Let's just, it's a great product. So <laughs> yeah. And that's a really good place to position yourself too, because I struggle with this a lot is like, I want to get people the cheapest option available, like with everything I have. And I'm yeah. always having to come back afterwards and be like, okay, <laughs> like, was that the right decision? And how can I make it better? And all mm. that. But I love that you're just, everything is so thought out. And that's just that's such a good brand move too. Well, that's it, right? Like, we're our brand. Like, we're, that's the thing about being an artist is, like, your identity is your brand. So, like, everything you do is a reflection of that. And um, I think when it comes to, like, the products you collaborate with, like, or, like, the products that you offer, like, all those things are still, like, a reflection of what your brand ultimately offers. So, yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> and I'm going to raise my prices on everything. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have as many sales, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just also just and with that too, if somebody's thinking that like the quality has to match, you know, you have to yes. be. Like, it's like you're raving about your yoga mat enough to the point where I'm like, I'm getting that yoga mat. <laughs> and, it's and, the best. <laughs> yeah, it's the best, and you're the thing that's gonna sell it too. Like you yeah. have to love it, and yes. you do. Yeah, well, I didn't. I have been doing yoga for 15 years. I think I had one yoga mat when I first started and I lost it like probably, you know, a month later and I've literally been renting them every time I go to a yoga studio. So it's like, Oh, it's too much of an investment. I don't want to buy a mat. And like, mm. especially like if they're just like plain black or plain white, I'm like, Oh, like I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a black rubber mat. Like that's dumb. <laughs> so <laughs> I saw these like, all right, I'd pay $137 for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And okay, so 137. Okay, that, yes. that is a little bit more than I have spent on the one that I have actually yes. right now that was about $20 from Walmart. <laughs> that is I'd say 
no less than 10 years old. <laughs> like, I, I mean, which is impressive. Well done. <laughs> I think these ones are good because like if you do hot yoga or if you're like, you know, doing like hit workouts or anything where you get like a little bit sweatier, um, it's got that like microfiber kind of towel built in. So it's super soft and like luxe and that way it grips like the sweatier you get, it, the more it grips basically. Okay. So I love doing hot yoga. And before COVID hit, that was like my one thing outside of art for me that I was like, okay, forget about the baby, forget about the husband. I'm going to my hot yoga class. Um, but yeah, now that that's not happening right now in LA, but we'll wait until then I'm doing it in my living room. So <laughs> yeah, I also love hot yoga and I actually just did. So I have some questions for you about that too, but I yeah. actually just, just did a painting for a hot yoga studio and I was like, I'll just trade you class credit because I need to come and I want to yeah. come and this will make me come and buying your yoga mat will also make me come to the oh, hot yoga. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And where, whereabouts are you based again? Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. Um, small okay. town stuff. Like we are just starting to open up and stuff, but it wasn't a super crazy crackdown here. Yeah. Um, right. It was, but it wasn't not as compared to where you are. I love this. Yeah. We were definitely bonding over yoga, <laughs> but I always, I always compare uh, painting to working out in that sense. It's like, mm. it's like, it's, I mean, after you're done with the painting or after you're done working out, you're always like, that was amazing, but it's so hard to get yourself to do it. Yeah, um, I find that if people can make themselves go to yoga class or make themselves go to the gym, likely too that habit kind of transfers over into your painting as well. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good example, and also like the warm up before a big workout. I think that's like a good analogy to painting as well. Because sometimes I'll be like, okay, I've got like you know two hours of nap time, or I've got like you know two hours before I'm super exhausted and I have to go to sleep. Um, and then I'll just put that time pressure on myself to like paint immediately. And if it's something that's like, you know, super, um, straightforward where it's just like taping off a section, painting a polygon or a triangle, and then like, it's a little bit more cut and paste, then it's a little bit easier. But I think if you're starting a painting or like doing really intricate stuff, give yourself like 10 minutes to just kind of like slowly get into the groove. If it's like, cleaning your studio or like getting your brushes lined up, putting on a good playlist, just like slowly get into it because creativity isn't something you can just like turn the switch on and then turn it off. Sometimes it comes at like inopportune moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like when you should be painting, you're like, I don't really want to. And when you can't paint, you're like, oh, that's all I want to do. Yeah. Totally. I know. I, I usually, I'm like a bit of a, a night owl. And so usually I get like really into my creative flow at like maybe 10 o'clock at night. And then I'm not very good at like being responsible and being like, oh, your kid might wake up at 530 in the morning. You should probably go to bed. I'll just get into it and be like, it's 1230 in the morning. I should probably finish and then I'll just keep going. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's not always the most opportune time, but when you have a slot available and you're working in the studio and you do not want to paint and you just can't seem to get into the headspace, like work on your business, you know, like social media, updating your website, whatever it might be. So while we're on the process of hmm. painting and stuff, is there any tips or techniques that you've learned and what, what just talk about your painting process a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So, um, 
because I come from a graphic design background, I usually start on the computer. I use that as like my template before I start painting. Um, so like I was saying before, typically most of my work um, is from commissions. So people will reach out and say, you know, there's this landscape, for example, Moraine Lake, absolutely love it. I would love to turn it into a painting. Sometimes they'll have a photograph. Um, sometimes they won't. And I usually just like research different compositions online, either like, you know, photographs or whatever, until we find a layout we like. And then I'll take it into Illustrator and I basically like build in my layers. So I have like all of the geometric shapes one by one. I just like connect all of them. <laughs> and then we pick a, a color palette. So it's, um, you know, in this, the right color palette that they like. And then um, once that mock-up is approved, then I project that onto my canvases and I start drawing out the shape. And then I paint the background. So usually it's like a gradient sky where there's like a fade. And if there's like ocean, I'll paint that part. And then um, I start the very long time-consuming process of taping every shape off and painting it. <laughs> And then I usually leave all of the highlights and kind of like organic painterly strokes. Um, so like the trees and the ocean uh, and flowers, whatever, like kind of might be layered in front of those mountains. I do that at the very end. So it's very much like if you're in Photoshop or something like that, it's like the layers, like starting from the back of the painting and then like working forward. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so when I was working on my mock-up yesterday, I was actually about to, so I, I did this whole like landscape mock-up and I was like, oh, I really, really want to do the triangles in there. And I started to do them. And about 15 minutes later, I was like, nope, I'm just going to sit there because it takes so, so hard. long. <laughs> Log. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to send them an example of your work and be like, imagine we can put it in there. So that way I can really see if they like want it or not before I spend all this time doing this. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and by doing that though, too, I was like, okay, well I have to figure this into the total cost of the mural because if it's taking me so long to do on the iPad, it'll take me a while to do on the actual wall. And it's like oh, a totally. 20 foot mural. So. Yeah. No, that's, It'll be a pricey one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'll just be tagging you in my stories like, ugh, Elise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're doing aerosol, it might be a lot faster, but if you're hand painting. Oh, you know, I didn't think about that. Yeah. If, if you're comfortable with aerosol, you could do that a lot faster for shaping it off. So I've done a few murals and I have an artist that I work with who's amazing. His name's James Knight. Um, and he's helped me with a few murals in Vancouver. And he's actually helping me paint one right now because I can't be in Canada because of this freaking quarantine. Um, so he's, like, amazing at doing, like, sharp angled aerosol spray. So he showed me a few techniques of, like, basically you can tape off two sides and then get um, a hard edge. So, like, you know, construction paper or something like that and then just, like, spray it in. But the, the biggest part you have to think about is, like, time to dry between which sections you tape off. So I have to do that with my paintings, too, where, um, you know, you can't really, like, section off all of the pink ones at the same time if there's, like, a corner that overlaps with the other shape you're doing. It gets a little complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you might want help on that one. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. just thinking too. I know, well, my first thought was like to make a stencil, like you mentioned. Yeah. And, but 
all of the shapes that you do mostly, they're not like stencil shapes. I mean, some are similar, but they're really, they're kind of their own shape. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I mean, I paint all of mine with acrylic painting. Um, when I'm doing my canvases, obviously, well, not obviously, but that's what I do. Um, mostly because I have a home studio and aerosol is not really an option in this house. Um, maybe one day I'll play with that more, but, um, if I was doing a mural, especially like a 20 foot one, I would definitely recommend depending on the size of the shapes. Like if they're really big, obviously you could paint those out, but like as they get more intricate, go with um, aerosol. Okay. Yeah. That's a yeah. good if, if you go down that direction, cause it's definitely time consuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like so robust. is there a certain type of paint that you're starting a uh, type of tape that you use or yes. is there anything you don't like to paint without kind of in that area? So I learned the hard way by using a lot of different tapes. Cause usually like if you go to like an art studio or not an art studio, like an art store, um, they'll have painter's tape and like those really expensive white rolls that are like quite thin. I think they're like $12 a roll or something. Um, and I found that they bleed quite a bit because I work basically only on stretched canvas. And so it's got that nat- natural texture to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have noticed it bleeds, but this is frog tape and frog. It, comes in, it comes in a little green container and um, you can get it at most hardware stores. So they don't actually sell it at art stores, which oh, I think fine. is absurd. They really should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> painter's tape is good too but this I, I love and what I actually do which you probably can see in my videos on my Instagram stories and stuff is I'll get the thicker ones and then I like rip it in half like well not like that but like the long way down yeah. and then it doubles your roll so it like lasts a lot longer because you only need the one you know sharp edge yeah um, okay perfect so but... that's my go-to and then for acrylics I use um golden paints so um, I was going to show you, but I don't need to. But yeah, golden paints are really good. They're just like nice and opaque and thicker. Very bright. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, the tape suggestion as well, too, because I've always used just the blue painter's tape. And somebody literally just last week was like, is that the, like, the tape you're supposed to use? And I was like, I don't know. This is just well, what I use. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends. Because I've heard from other artists that they prefer the blue painter's tape. For me, like the frog tape just... It, adheres better especially if you're working on canvas um so yeah I don't know I mean I've I've had issues before where I've worked on some really large-scale paintings um where I've used actually like I can't remember what brand it was but like home paints that you'd like paint a wall with um as the base gradient and then I use the acrylic painting like paints on top for all of the little polygonal shapes and the tape wouldn't stick and this was like a 15 foot wide canvas basically. <laughs> um, and so I did all of it by hand because the tape wouldn't stick because it was like, I think the home tape that, or the, sorry, the home paint that I used was um, too flat. It had like nothing to, to tack down to. Um, so the tape wouldn't stay on it and it was really warm. It was like working in the summer in like a warm studio and it was the worst. So I had to like hand paint every single triangle, probably like 500, maybe more. <laughs> long time. <laughs> long like time. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, don't combine 
Well, if you do combine it, test it out first. <laughs> it's hard to commit to something at that, that scale because it took so much longer than I thought it would. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> on, on this subject, I guess that, that would be a good one for the uh, what lesson have you learned the hard way in art? Yeah. So that's definitely one of them. That's probably the biggest one. <laughs> and then honestly, I think like I took way too long to automate processes. Um, so like I, I've got a limited amount of time that I can put in to my art practice being a full-time mom and, you know, not having a ton of hours in the day where I can do my art business, running around, you know, sending things to FedEx, picking up stuff from the printers, like all of those things that nobody really thinks about when you're an artist. They're like, Oh, somebody else will do that. Not until you're making a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Those things take a lot of time. So just this year I started realizing like I can automate some of these things and work with either like third parties or find really great printers and suppliers who will ship products off for me, like try and hand off and delegate as many things as you can so that you can focus in on, what your skill is, which is like making the actual artwork. Um, so this year, which I feel like I waited way too long. Cause if I was, you know, working a full-time job and had this going on the side, it would have been able to probably make the leap a lot sooner, but, um, yeah, automating things. I learned the hard way by not doing it sooner. Um, so that's something I would definitely recommend, uh, and just getting a website that works for you. So like make it easy for people to buy products if that's what you're trying to do or buy prints. If it's Etsy, if it's Shopify, whatever it is, um, set it up so that your things work for you and you're not required to like get involved on every single conversation with someone who might be interested because that takes you away again from time to paint. It does. (laughs) Yeah. When people message you and they're like, hey, I want a butterfly and it's like, okay, what kind of butterfly would you like? They're like, yeah. oh, no, in my bedroom or whatever. I'm like, okay, never mind. Yeah. They're like, I have $50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> Keep saving. Yeah, exactly. You're like, call me in five years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but thanks. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. Do you have a favorite painting that you've done? I do. Actually, I could go and show you. Um, I've got two. So this is a print of one that I just did, which is actually the one I was telling you about, which I don't know if it'll reflect, but Marine Lake. So it's like, if people want to go check it out, I have all of my paintings, the behind the scenes of how they're made. So that one's Marine. And then the other one is called Mirage and it's of um, Palm Springs. Oh, fun. Yeah. I love how, so I read over your commission process as well. And I love how you include a time lapse to your customers too. Yeah. Yeah. I just started doing that. Um, like this year for social media and that kind of thing. And then I realized like, that's actually a really nice thing to give to the buyer so they can see like the making of their piece. Cause not many times do people get the opportunity to like actually do a custom commission. That's a really special keepsake. So it's nice for them to have that as like something to show their friends or whatever. Yeah. I love it. So just an off the wall question. I was just random thinking, but do you have, do you see like a consistency in your customers? Like, are they all outdoors people or? Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting. The one thing that seems to be a consistent thing with my buyers is that it's a husband and wife who are trying to agree on artwork for their home. And it happens all the time where 
um, the female will have something that they really want and the husband, like the, the male or however the dynamic is, um, doesn't like that aesthetic. And then the male wants something that's very masculine and the female doesn't like that. So I guess my artwork appeals to um, the masculine and the feminine because it's got this like, you know, soft color palette, but it's also, you know, really jagged and kind of angular. So that seems to be a consistent thing, which I think is pretty funny. Um, and then I, a lot of like North American clients, just because a lot of the landscapes I do are Canadian or I'm starting to do more in California. Um, but yeah, I think like outdoorsy, you know, I feel like, like California and BC are all my main clients right now. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's so funny. Too, and as you're talking about that, I'm like, I could totally see that. <laughs> like it has the, the outdoors, but it's like, it's not like a, you know, flowery kind of a thing. It's like a, it's, it is, it's very masculine and feminine both. Yeah. So, so uh, last Sorry. question. And actually we have two more questions. <laughs> but okay. What are your future art plans and goals? What are you working on right now? projects I'm working on right now. Um, so I have a mural that's being painted right now in Vancouver. <clears throat> and that is uh, for a company that's affiliated with like children's hospitals. Um, so it's a client that I just think very highly of and have been wanting to work with for a long time. And they randomly reached out uh, a few months ago. So we made it work where I basically become the art director on the project. So I created a design and then kind of made a massive paint by numbers and I have artists helping execute it for me in BC because I can't travel right now. Oh, that's so heartbreaking though. <laughs> I know. I want to be there so bad, but thankfully I've worked with these artists before and they're incredible. Um, so I, I know I can trust them and it's, it's a good learning curve for me as well of like how to pair my experience in art direction with my art practice and one day you know maybe that's how I'm able to scale a lot faster is like make massive paint by numbers that artists can help execute <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. an idea yeah <laughs> so um I'm working on that and then I have another big design that I'm doing so I do illustrations as well um so I'm doing a digital illustration that's going to be turned into a 40 foot vinyl mural. So that one's going to be massive. So it gets really intricate because it's like so zoomed in. Um, so I've been working on that one. And then I've got a few new products. So you have the yoga mat, the journals, and then um, I've got a company I'm working with on skis. I'm so excited. So <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> I know so, that's way outside the box that's I love it totally but because my like audience is a lot of like outdoorsy um especially like being in BC um there's like a huge uh crowd of like you know professional skiers and people who are really into the outdoors so I was like how can I offer a premium product that um they would love and I found this company well actually they found me which is kind of crazy because I put it out into the universe and then they just found me um but it's called J skis and they do these beautiful high-end powder skis so um they'll be launching in I think August or September um which is super exciting and yeah and then I, this is my studio so I can show you I'm working on um, a commission painting right now too <laughs> oh wow so that one's of Nelson 
um, in BC. So I've got those going and I can't remember what other projects, but those are the main ones. <laughs> yeah, you've got so much going on. I love it. Just, yeah. With, and I, again, I just love all the products you're coming out with because that's just so much fun. Thank you. I'm hoping, <laughs> I, I really want to find someone that does like really nice quality surfboards. That's my next thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like outdoors beautiful products that's what we need <laughs> yeah i'm sure uh, uh do you know the the brophies from maria and drew brophy he does surf art no check them out and i because he does uh surfboards i bet he could be able to point you in the right direction that'd be awesome because i'm thinking yeah. like now that i'm in california that would be a great like they're in california yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> awesome okay so last question uh is there any advice that you would want to give artists who want to make art their full-time career, but just don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, so first I would say, um, just start working, <laughs> not even yeah. necessarily as an artist, but cause I think sometimes I know for myself included, like you don't get into the career world because you're like, Oh, it, like I'm not, it's not like too creative enough or I'm not like, you know, doing my passion and becoming a full-time artist right away. Um, the way that I learned how to run a business was not from being an artist. It was from my experience working in other industries, right? So if you can find a job where um, it still is a creative outlet and it gives you the financial independence to pursue going down a full-time path of becoming an artist, do it. Because it's better to have some money coming in and not rely 100% on your art practice in the early days. That's my personal opinion. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise you're sleeping on your parents' couch for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think there's a lot that you can glean from um, other industries, you know? So for me, like being in the event production world, I learned so much about supplies, um, like, you know, different materials that you can work on and working on large scale. So that was super helpful. I worked as a graphic designer. I learned about marketing and how to like see myself as a brand and how I brand my business. Um, so all those things are super helpful. And then, um, you know, for a little while you kind of work double time and you do your day job and it, hopefully it's a job that doesn't like burn you out because it gives you the time to do what you love on the side. And then slowly go down to like a part-time job and doing painting more time, like more of the time. And then make the leap when you have, I would say like, you know, three months worth of clients okay. lined up. I think because sometimes people just jump in and they hope that it's just going to work. Um, I think especially artists are like that where it's like, oh, the universe will just provide for me. You know, like this is my passion. I'm not going to do anything else. Um but I think that for me anyways, having that financial security of knowing like I've got enough work, I can like live off of this um, and I can just like work three months in advance and just have everything kind of lined up. I think Such good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Money's important. And I think sometimes that's like something that isn't touched on enough for people wanting to start off as artists is like charge enough for your work as well. Like, you know, don't just try and make it super affordable. Like think about how many hours does it take for you to do a painting? You know, as a graphic designer, a lot of the people that we'd hire would be like, you know, $80, $100 an hour for illustration work. And it's like, well, you know, if a painting takes like 40 hours, then why am I charging 
so little. So like also think about, um, you know, making sure that you're charging enough and then offer products that are more for affordable that don't take as much of your time, like prints and that kind of thing. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. And I love that you gave a number with that too. Like, Hey, if you have, you know, yourself booked out for about three months like that, then, then that's pretty solid because, you know, it can get really vague too. of like, you know, put, you know, have enough work to where you can go full time, but it's like, what is enough work? And I yeah. think the, the three months is, I mean, it's not like a set, like you have to get three months, you know, but it just gives people like a good visualization or something to work towards, like a solid goal to work towards. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it depends on your expenses. If you are living yeah. at home, like, you know, that's not bad at all. That's fine. Everyone has their own <laughs> setup. Um, but then you do have the freedom to maybe jump in a little bit more. Um, but if you've got rent and real expenses you have to pay for, then um, don't make the leap until you feel financially safe to do so. And I think there is like a balance there because um, there is something really motivating about having the hunger to find the next project and to work for that. So um, I think that's why the three month mark for me is good. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, if it gets close and I'm like, mm, I don't have that much like coming in for the next two months, then you got to hustle, but you're never, you know, looking back and going, Oh gosh, like I didn't have enough work coming this month. I can't make ends meet. Yeah. Like, Plan ahead get organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just, just wade into the water. Don't dive in. <laughs> yeah. I think so. If, if you want to go like long-term and also yeah. social media is an amazing platform and kids these days are learning a lot faster and how to make it work for them. So, you know, maybe that's the other part of it is like, think about yourself as a brand and make sure there's brand consistency across all of the platforms. Every picture you put up on the internet is a reflection of your brand. So think about that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good example. <laughs> that's for the younger ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad we didn't have Facebook when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Or even like, I think Instagram and that kind of thing. I yeah. We were able to go unscathed and grow up into adults without having everything photographed. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you and just talking about art and getting to know you. And I'm so excited to get your yoga mat and use it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, too. This was really wonderful. That's the other part of art is it can be so isolating. So it's really great to meet other artists, even it if is. it's virtual. <laughs> yeah, it's, this still counts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you again so much. And we'll be in contact. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you 
called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am art by Andrea Earhart. I will gladly share your art on my Instagram story with a reach of over 60,000 as a thank you for helping us grow this Artist Academy community. And speaking of community, if you would like to be a part of our absolutely free and very encouraging community on social media, just head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy, and I will see you next week.